0: The following is an iHeartRadio podcast. The soundtrack show will begin in 5, 4, 3. The music of Raiders of the Lost Ark tells a story that's more than just a simple adventure, it's one about faith and mystery. This is the soundtrack show. Welcome back to The Soundtrack Show. I'm your host, David W. Collins, and this is part three of our look and listen to the soundtrack of Raiders of the Lost Ark, a film from 1981 by Paramount Pictures, directed by Steven Spielberg, with a film score by John Williams. Previously on our last adventure, archaeologist Indiana Jones returns home after narrowly escaping the Jovitos in South America, only to be greeted by a new adventure, to find the lost Ark of the Covenant before the Nazis do. Leaving the comforts of home, Dr. Jones journeys to Nepal, where the brave and beautiful Marion Ravenwood holds the key to the Ark's location. Together, they depart for Cairo, where adventure awaits, and danger is just around the corner. Cairo, Egypt. We immediately hear Marion's theme again as Indy looks at her lovingly.
1: (laughs) I knew the Germans would hire you, Sala. You're the best digger in Egypt.
0: Again, this is Indy seeing her in a new way now on a new adventure, wearing different clothes in a different setting, and he's admiring her as she smiles at him. This theme, Marion's theme, is Indy's love for Marion, as we'll continue to see in this episode. After a conversation with Sala about how the dig is going, Marion and Indy are wandering the streets of Cairo. We hear a couple of different pieces of diegetic, or in-world music, as they do. Now, what's interesting about this, and by the way, author Emilio Audicino does a great job of pointing this out in his book, John Williams Film Music, which I must always plug as I feel he really has done the most complete analysis of this film score to date. What's really interesting about this scene with all of this diegetic music playing is that the music serves to clarify the geography of the attack that's about to play out. So a lot of movies do this, but it's worth pointing this out. As different cameras are cutting from location to location, shot to shot, the way the music is filtered tells your brain where you are. Let's demonstrate. So here we are as Indy and Marion walk down an alleyway towards the main square. And you can hear the music pretty clearly, but with a slight echo, as if the musicians are around the corner, or maybe in front of them in the square.
1: Do we need the monkey, huh? I'm surprised at you, Jones, talking that way about our baby. He's got your looks, too. And your brain. Oops. I noticed that. She's a smart little thing. Smart. <laughs> yeah. Hey, where are you going?
0: She'll be all right, have a date. Now, as you cut back to the monkey who has disappeared down the street the other way, the music dips suddenly on the cut.
1: What's this? It's a date. You eat them.
0: (laughs) This helps our brains enforce the fact that he's moved far away from them to a spy who's waiting for the monkey's report. Now, as that spy who just got the report from the monkey walks into a bar to report to the Nazis what he's learned, we hear different diegetic music letting us know that we are really far away and in the shadows from wherever Indy and Marion are. Now, as we cut back to the square, where we started, the music is now at its loudest, suggesting not only that Indian Marion had walked into the square, but it suggests that this is the music's point of origin. This is the most public of public life. Now from here, we then cut to a German in a suit and a hat. He's on a balcony overlooking the square, and he walks from the balcony into a room with these masked men. And as he does, Rather than hear a bunch of bad guy orchestral stingers, we hear the diegetic music from the square duck way down. The sound occludes and obstructs as he goes into the building. How come you haven't
1: found some nice girl to settle down with, raise eight or nine kids like a fenced Who says I haven't?
0: This helps us understand that the bad guys in that room are actually hiding right where Indy and Marion are at this point. In the square, the stage is set for an attack. Spielberg's a master at this kind of thing. Now, in this way, he's using music, or the sound of that music, to allow us to, quote, see with our ears. If you're interested in this concept, by the way, just Google a video called See With Your Ears, Spielberg, and Sound Design, and you'll get a great breakdown video of this craft from Spielberg's 2005 film, Munich. Anyway, back to Indy. When this attack that is now staged finally comes in Raiders of the Lost Ark, it's handled with music that is, let's say, less than serious. As Marion and Indy are attacked and the resulting chase occurs, what we famously know as the basket game, Williams has tremendous fun with it. Let's take a listen. Here's a John Williams quote from the liner notes of the 1995 DCC CD soundtrack release. I look at it as a kind of musical number that has a beginning, a middle, and an end, and try to calculate a series of tempos and a series of changing tempos. I will try to design it almost in the same way as you would a balletic number, which may contribute a certain aspect of fun and adventurousness in this Harrison Ford character. The music may sound serious, but it's not, really. It's more theatrically conceived and hopefully always has an aspect of fun or even camp about it, end quote. Interesting that he refers to it as a ballet or a like a dance. It feels very much like this. It reminds me immediately of, say, Tchaikovsky's famous Russian dance from the Nutcracker Suite, only with much less bombast. Or it reminds me of like Prokofiev's ballets, like Romeo and Juliet. <laughs> his chamber piece, Trapeze. But throughout this basket game, this cue, we're treated to a lot of Mickey Mousing. We talked about that in previous episodes. We have trombones for ominous villains, such as this unbelievable moment that Williams sets up with music, the giant sword fight (laughs) face-off. A face-off that, again, ends with a very modern and funny twist. But what makes this twist really work is the use of those low brass Mickey Mousing orchestral tropes. All of that ceremony stopped with a single gunshot. Bang. More Mickey Mousing when Marion fights off an enemy with a frying pan. First, we see him with a knife.
1: <laughs> right.
0: Then she runs through a dark doorway. A sound is heard off-screen. And the music reacts. In many ways throughout this whole sequence, the score does indeed function like music in a ballet, in that it sets a pace, a rhythm. It speeds up and slows down, giving the chase a tempo, a pulse. At some point, Marion hides in a basket. Her position is given away, however, by the monkey, and she's hauled off while still in the basket. So Indy chases her while she's in this basket and she's calling out to him. When Indy reaches the square, the music stops, the tempo stops and scores the wonder and panic of what Jones is seeing. The camera's just on Jones's expression. When the camera turns around and it's revealed to us that he's seeing a hundred baskets or more and doesn't know which one Marion is in, the basket motif or the chase motif resumes. Finally, Marion is placed in the back of a Nazi truck. Now, unbeknownst to Indy, it's filled with explosives. Indy shoots the truck driver to try and stop it, and we hear heroic music. But when the truck explodes, we hear a desperate, horrified, minor key version of Marion's theme. as the shock and tragedy of what just happened overwhelms indiana jones then we hear this theme yet again as we cut to indy getting drunk In total despair over the loss of Marion. This version is much more sorrowful and somber. This whole scene is really an homage to Casablanca. As Humphrey Bogart's character, Rick, gets drunk after running into his old love, Ilsa. Actually, He didn't run into her. She actually appeared in his bar in Casablanca many years after she vanished. Actually, she left him in Paris when the occupation happened. While he's getting drunk, while Rick is getting drunk, he actually wants to hear the love theme, the song that is his own personal love theme for the two of them, which is the hit As Time Goes By. By the way, As Time Goes By was a song that composer Max Steiner utilized for much of the melodic content in the score for Casablanca. Anyway, Rick's getting drunk, he's thinking about Ilsa, and he tells Sam, the bar's musician who works for him, to play as time goes by.
1: Of all the gin joints in all the towns in all the world, she walks into mine. <laughs> What's that you playing? Oh, just a little something of my own. Oh, stop it. You know what I want to hear. No, I don't. You played it for her, you played it for me. Well, I don't think I can remember If he can stand it, I can. Play it.
0: Yes, boss. He often misquoted, play it again, Sam. He actually never says that. He just says, play it. Anyway, back to Raiders. Indy is doing the same thing here. He's getting drunk, and he's thinking about how he just lost Marion. And of course, that theme music that represents Indy's love for Marion is playing very strongly here. Another great homage to movies of the past. Now. What happens next is really interesting. It's a scene with no music, but the dialogue lays out for us very plainly a central theme in this movie. Indiana Jones is very much like his adversary, the French archaeologist, Belloc, in that they don't have faith in their own religion, the religion being archaeology. They pursue artifacts for fortune and glory and not for their cultural, religious, or spiritual significance. The Ark isn't a relic that represents a deeper faith in these men. No, it's lost on them. They are truly raiders of this Ark, not religious pilgrims. But the movie is setting up a mysticism around the power of the Ark, and this scene suggests that the gruff, hardened, and experienced Indiana Jones may yet have something left to learn. He's just one push away from being the bad guy. Archaeology is our religion. Yet
1: we have both fallen from the pure faith. Our methods have not differed as much as you pretend. I am a shadowy reflection of you. Don't take only a nudge to make you like me, to push you out of the light. Now you're getting nasty.
0: This idea of the mysticism around the Ark is paid off in the next scene when they take Marion's medallion to an old sage that can read its inscriptions. Remember in the last episode when I mentioned how the sound editors set up a subtle wind effect in the background? You know, when they're at the university talking to the FBI, and they mentioned the very first raider of the Lost Ark, the Egyptian pharaoh Shishak, and how his city, Tanis was wiped clean in a sandstorm?
1: However, an Egyptian pharaoh, Shishak, yes, invaded the city of Jerusalem around about 980 BC, and he may have taken the Ark back to the city of Tanis and hidden it in a secret chamber called the Well of Souls.
0: Yeah, and wait, back in Nepal, let's go back there. When Marion was alone and she was considering giving the medallion to Indy, which of course would lead to the Ark's discovery, wasn't there a gust of wind as she considered this, flickering that candle that was in front of her? Just a random gust of wind from a snowstorm outside? Maybe. Just a blustery day at the university earlier? Perhaps. Perhaps not. Here, in Cairo, when the old sage reads the inscriptions and he mentions the Hebrew God, Spielberg lays the cards out on the table. The art is magical. It's filled with the power of God. A huge gust of wind blasts through the room from the opening behind them, and sound designer Ben Burt delights in treating us to the sound of wind and chimes.
1: And take back von Kadam to honor the Hebrew god whose ark this is.
0: As the inscriptions are read to them, they discover that the Nazis have been digging in the wrong place. And Sala, in celebration of this sings a song from a Gilbert and Sullivan musical called HMS Pinafore, I Am the Monarch of the Sea.
1: Bellock's staff is too long. They're They're digging digging in the the wrong wrong place. place. (laughs) 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 I am the monarch of the sea. I am the ruler of the... I am the monarch of the sea. Of the Queen's Navy, whose praise made print of lovely chants. And we are sisters and his cousins and his aunts. And we are sisters and his cousins and his aunts. Sisters and
0: his and his aunts. sisters and his cousins and his aunts. Why this song? No, it's a good question. You know, this would have been popular in the years around this story, around 1936, and certainly in the years of Sala's youth. As the musical, H.M.S. Pinafore debuted in London in 1878 and was hugely influential in the development of musical theater not only in England, but also in America. And a further point, Egypt at that time was under British occupation and had been since 1822. Gilbert and Sullivan were in huge rotation amongst the Brits throughout the reign of Queen Victoria and beyond, probably all the way up to about World War II. And so why is he singing this song? Well, the song kind of pokes fun at the British class system, and in a way, Sala is singing it to poke fun at his employers on this dig, the Nazis, who he's already stated he doesn't have a very high regard for. Anyway, it's a nice detail that I think is worth mentioning because Sala sings not one but two songs from HMS Pinafore, the Gilbert and Sullivan musical in Raiders of the Lost Ark. We'll get to the second one later. Now that Sala and Indy have all the information they need to find the Ark, they make their way to the recently discovered Tannis Map Room. And now for a brief intermission. We return now to the soundtrack show. The Map Room of Tannis. What follows is one of the most powerful pieces of music in all of Raiders, if not in the whole Indiana Jones series. As Indy enters the map room, the familiar theme for the arc plays quietly, carried by flutes, Mystery fills the air. Indy is getting closer to finding the sleeping ark. But as we cut back to Sala, who is watching the entrance and holding onto a rope for Indy, the music changes to threatening brass as the Nazis yell at Sala to leave the site at once. We're going to hear the music closely. Follow this cross-cutting throughout this whole sequence. Back to the map room. That almost serial phrase of notes that we heard when Indiana Jones was raiding the temple in South America, yeah, that's heard again here in this new place, as Jones is using his intellect to discover where to place the staff. Sand, looking at his notes. Maybe this is a theme for Indiana Jones when he is in moments of discovery. It's the second major appearance in this kind of situation. More cross-cutting here as we see Sala looking very worried about how he's going to get Indy out of there while they're both surrounded by Nazis. back to Jones in the map room, mounting the headpiece on the staff. The music builds. The choir emerges. The sunlight comes into the map room like a ray of God's power. Jones, sweating, waits for something to happen. The brass becomes almost reverential before going totally epic. the staff of Rob blazes a beam onto the Ark's location. What follows is a really neat tonal musical mashup. So now low woodwinds chug along as Sala problem-solves outside, has this rhythmic pulse. But this pulse continues in order to build tension as we go back to Jones making notes over the map of Tanis in the map room, and the arc theme and Sala's fear are musically combined. Finally, Jones tries to get out by calling to Salaf, only to be greeted by several Nazi flags tied together. And the pulse dies down into a string tremolo, releasing the tension. We cut to Indiana Jones in disguise, much like Peter O'Toole in Lawrence of Arabia walking with Sala outside as Nazis call out, demanding more water like their waiters. The music is military and threatening as they're amongst the Nazis. As Jones breaks away, we hear the raiders march. Only modified to sound Middle Eastern as Jones sneaks into a tent. Inside this tent, he finds Marion. Interestingly, even though Jones is thrilled to see her, we can see it on his face, the music plays her reaction. We don't get Marion's theme right away. She doesn't recognize Jones in disguise, and the music underpins her fear. Who is this man? Finally, when they do reunite, we hear a very relieved-sounding version of Marion's theme, played by Woodwinds.
1: I thought you were dead. I must have switched baskets. (laughs) Are you hurt? No.
0: Finally, the happy couple are back together. Yay, Marion's not dead, and they're together. Only, no, they're not together. Marion's theme is actually interrupted by a dread-inspiring chord.
1: they keep asking about you, but you know...
0: Indy realizes that if he frees Marion, he'll lose the Ark. He makes a tough and very unpopular call to leave her there as the Ark theme plays again. What's wrong?
1: Cut me loose. I know where the Ark is, Marion. The here. Well, I'm coming with you, Jones. Get me out of here. Cut me loose. You can't leave right. me here. I'll take you out of here now. They'll start combing the place for us. Jones, you got to get me out of here. Come on. Jones, are you crazy? to this, this whole thing is going to be shot.
0: Ultimately though, we're reminded that Indy does love Marion as he leaves with one last flicker of Marion’s theme. Oh, Indy <laughs> The arc theme plays again as Indy scouts the real location of the Well of Souls. We're hit with that arc theme over and over again as Indy breaks ground over the true sight of the Well of Souls. He's getting closer. And now, sound designer Ben Burt takes over. No music, but thunder and lightning. Indeed. here, we've hit stone. The mystical theme in this movie is realized through sound as the arc is about to be disturbed for the first time in thousands of years. In fact, when they dig and find the cover of the Well of Souls, and that cover is lifted, revealing the inside, you can almost hear a spiritual, ghostly exhale mixed in with the sound of sliding stone as they reveal the Well of Souls. and then a nice Mickey-mousing moment when Sala reacts in fear to a giant statue of Anubis. Finally, as Indy looks into the Well of Souls, and it's revealed that the floor is covered with snakes, which we remember Indy absolutely hates, John Williams goes back to using different orchestral textures to bring out the horror of our reaction. A squeal of disgust by any one of us in the audience is personified by a squealing clarinet in its high register. Violins gliss like shivers up our spine, and low brass plays with mutes along with low woodwinds to highlight the nasty danger below. Really effective.
1: Snakes. Why'd it have to be snakes? Asps. Very dangerous. Go first.
0: Now, as this musical passage continues, we see how music is used yet again to crosscut between two narratives, the Well of Souls and poor Marion in a tent stuck now with Belloc. If you're trying to escape on foot, the desert is three weeks in every direction. So please eat something. The dangerous low woodwinds and brass continue until Marion spots a knife. William's Mickey Mouse's is this.
1: Yeah, who's all you not No food, no water? What kind of people are these friends of yours? This particular time and place, and for my work, they are necessary evils. They're not my friends.
0: Then, when Belloc offers Marion a dress, she starts to put together an escape plan of deception and manipulation. As Marion puts on the dress, we hear strings and high wood winds as she uses her allure and her beauty. It's obvious to her and the audience that Belloc is, uh, not too subtly making passes at her, and she's going to use this.
1: I have no loyalty to Jones. He's brought me nothing but trouble.
0: Marion, you are beautiful.
1: I don't think we need a chaperone.
0: Now, these string textures as she appears in this beautiful white dress are very reminiscent of Franz Waxman's score for Bride of Frankenstein from 1935. In this case, Marion is the bride, and the strings are the gaze of Frankenstein's monster, Belloc. Appropriate. Here's a clip from Waxman's influential and famous score, which, by the way, was reused in many, many movies and TV shows beyond Bride of Frankenstein. If you're curious to know more about that score, by the way, check out my episode called Universal Monster Music. Back to Indy and the Well of Souls. As Indy and Sala approach the Ark, about to uncover it from its tomb of stone, we hear the Ark's theme play quietly in suspense. strike of lightning cuts us back to Marion and Belloc as she's pretending to be drunk. (laughs) (laughs) By the way, I've skipped past so many Mickey Mousing moments. Marion drinking a whole shot in one gulp. Marion grabbing the knife. But here are a few more to cover. Before Marion leaves, our bad guy in black, Tote, appears. And when he does... His entrance is mickey Mouse.
1: <laughs> well, I have to be going now, Renee. <laughs> I like you, Renee, <laughs> very much. <laughs> Perhaps we'll meet someday under better circumstances. We meet again, Fräulein.
0: When Tote removes what looks like nunchucks or some sort of torture device, Williams is in on the gag. The music builds and builds and builds. Only to reveal that it was a portable coat hanger. Back to the Well of Souls. As Indy and Sala lift up the Ark, the Ark theme plays, but there's almost this lion's roar and more wind and more exhaling breath in the sound design as they lift up the Golden Ark from its tomb. As Indy and Sala carry the Ark past the snakes, we hear the motif that we heard over the medallion back in Nepal. But the music is uneasy. The Ark is unopened, but exposed for the first time in multiple millennia. We in the audience suspect that this thing is powerful. We don't know what it can do. So there's musical tension here. And that tension is broken when Indy puts a wooden lid back over the Ark.
1: All right! Take it up!
0: Easy! Whatever danger the Ark poses, Indy seems unaware. But we know that he is safe now that he's put the lid back on it. Now, Williams picks up the tempo, the pace, as Jones and Sala are discovered. The jig is up. Belloc and the Nazis have captured Indiana Jones and Marion and left them to die in the Well of Souls. The Soundtrack Show will continue in a moment. We return now to the Soundtrack Show. How are Marion and Indy going to get out of the Well of Souls? Well, (laughs) well, Indy realizes that one of the walls is hollow as these snakes are just pouring out of it. As he develops an escape plan and puts it immediately into action, almost instinctively, we hear another Indy action motif that we heard very briefly in South America as Indy first swung over that small chasm with his bullwhip. Now he's going to use his whip again and find his way through yet another dangerous location. ¶¶ As Indy swings through the wall, the filmmakers edit in a quick blast of the Raiders march. Indy pushes the statue through the wall and the moment of heroism is then broken by the crash. Now, Marion is seemingly alone. Music gets mysterious as she fumbles through the dark, and she lands unknowingly on an old skeleton. She has found herself in the middle of an ancient crypt. Now, before I play the audio for this scene, I want to point out, while there is music in this moment of horror, it's really the sound that sells the scare. Even though the skeletons are not alive, even though they're not really animated and moving... Ben Burt places loud human screams of the undead on the gaping mouths of the skulls that are revealed. Almost playing up Marion's imagination here as momentarily real. Indy! As an audience, we don't question it because we're sharing Marion's reaction. indy's voice seems to break the illusion for marion and for us crazy these human screams and we all just kind of go with it it's very effective marion and indy do find a way out of course and they spot a giant nazi airplane on an airfield and indy realizes the nazis are going to fly the ark out of cairo so he decides that of course they need to stop the plane What follows is the first of two just breathtaking action sequences that are masterfully scored by John Williams the airplane fight. What we're going to hear is music that closely follows the action, masterfully drives the dramatic tension, and helps dictate the rhythm and tempo of the scene by giving the whole scene an exciting pulse that dynamically changes with the fight moment to moment. But before we dive into the music, I want to take another moment to talk about sound designer Ben Burt and discuss the punching sounds in Raiders. Yes, we'd all heard movie punches up to this point, but when Raiders came out, those punches were so painful sounding, so over-the-top, so hyper-real. You know what? Let's just take a listen.
1: The body blows and punches in the Indiana Jones films was another area that we worked hard and tried to come up with. Uh, a new sound, uh, although many of the sounds really I think were based on what we had heard in older films, the classic sound effects, but I wanted to remake them and do them in stereo and to exaggerate them probably in in some ways because everything about Indiana Jones was somewhat of a comic book. We tried a lot of different experiments. We beat on pieces of meat. We broke chicken bones. Probably We had our most success with a pile of leather jackets and a few baseball gloves and making a loose uh, pile of this material and then whacking it with a baseball bat. And out of that came the whole library of hits in uh, in the Indiana Jones films.
0: Well, considering these punching sounds, The music in this next action sequence could almost be called a punch concerto, or a concerto for punches. Williams starts with suspense, but when the fighting begins, Williams uses the orchestra to accent the punches. here and here and here, swinging a miss. The brass intensifies as a giant, big mechanic sees the fight, starts taking off his shirt and hat as he decides he wants in on the fun. More Mickey Mousing as the small mechanic tries to hit Indy with a wrench, here and here. As Indy easily knocks out the small mechanic and climbs for the cockpit, the music ignores those punches, instead following the real threat of the big mechanic as he's walking slowly over to the plane to start the fight.
1: <laughs> hey, come here. Come
0: here. He calls for Indy to come down and we hear a charming, okay. aw crap version of the come Raiders on, march. Under yet. Almost an exhausted version. As Indy starts throwing punches without much effect, the music accents them here. Here. Here.
1: Come here. here.
0: Notice that from here on out, rather than scoring every punch, oh, gunshot accent here. Rather than scoring every punch, which would get old, Williams instead decides to slowly build the intensity. Then, once the plane accidentally starts moving and Marion gets trapped in the cockpit, the tempo of the music suddenly goes way up. From a slow, prodding fist fight to a faster action piece, the stakes are raising. It also starts using military snare and symbols as more soldiers start to arrive at the airfield. Marion has found a machine gun turret in the plane. An intense action brass plays as Marion spots the Nazi soldiers and opens fire. But, A gas truck is struck by the wing of the out-of-control, slowly-spinning plane, and gallons of gas begin to spill out on the airstrip. More on that later. Since Marion has successfully used the machine gun turret to take out the Nazi soldiers, and Indy barely escapes getting crushed by the wheel of the airplane as he's fighting on the ground, we hear the Raiders march. It's interrupted when he runs back into the big mechanic, who is still chasing him around on the ground around the plane. Indy then almost runs into a live propeller, and the music changes to score the danger. Look out! A stream of gas begins to surround the plane, and the orchestral strings start flowing in fast notes like the visuals of the running liquid. Oh my god. Marion. Ah, Indy realizes the danger. He goes to rescue Marion, and we get the Raiders march. The gas flows two more cans of gas and a nearby fire, and the orchestra grabs this with a flutter of woodwind trills and a shimmering triangle and the fist fight continues, now back at that slower tempo, as Indy tries with all his might to beat down the mechanic. And we get those percussive punches again, but Indy fails and is knocked down. Aha, but the big mechanic has been outwitted and is taken out by the propeller of his own plane. All obstacles now cleared, Indy grabs his gun from the ground and goes to rescue Marion, and we get the Raiders March. But they need to hurry, the gas has caught fire. Get
1: back, get back!
0: They escape and run from the airfield as the plane is first engulfed in flames and then explodes into a huge fireball. Our heroes have lived to fight another day, and they've stopped the Ark from flying away to Berlin. Our adventure is far from over, however. Andy still doesn't have the Ark, and he finds out from Sala that the Nazis have loaded it onto a truck.
1: Indy, Indy, we have no time. If you still want the Ark, it has been loaded onto a truck for Cairo. Truck? What truck?
0: In our final Raiders episode, we'll break down the second of two unbelievable action cues, the truck chase. And we'll follow Indy, Marion, and the Ark all the way through to this adventure's exciting conclusion. Thank you all so much for your emails and social media comments. And thank you for telling your friends all about the show. Please send me your thoughts and comments as I love reading them and I read every single one. You can send them to soundtrackshowpodcast at gmail.com. That's soundtrackshowpodcast at gmail.com. Or follow us on Facebook and Instagram at Soundtrack Show HSW, or on Twitter at soundtrackhsw. HSW. I'm also on Twitter and Instagram at David W. Collins. Thank you. The Soundtrack Show is an iHeartRadio podcast. For more podcasts from iHeartRadio, visit the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you listen to your favorite shows.